Welcome to the Real Freedom Podcast, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Real Freedom Podcast. I'm excited to share today, we've got Carl Krauskopf. Carl is experienced uh, investor, and so a little bit of a background about him. So he got his, his back, his background is really in flipping homes. And so he focused on acquiring and renovating undervalued properties in areas experiencing tremendous market appreciation. So as he diversified and scaled his business, real estate development was the natural next step. And now your primary focus is with your company, Aurora's Investment Group, which is based out of the Seattle area, focusing on real estate investing and multifamily development, such as townhomes and apartment buildings. So we will dig in a little bit more about that and, and how you got started in real estate. So welcome, Carl. We are so excited to have you. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mike. This is a this is an honor. I really appreciate it. Why don't you just give us a little bit of more about your background, kind of how you got into the real estate space and kind of what you guys are focusing on here today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll start off by saying if, if I can make it, if I can make the transition from a a corporate W-2 employee uh, to a full-time investor, just about anybody can do it. I spent... Uh, so I, I'm about four years in the business. Um, you know, The first six months of that four years was pure self-education, reading every single book on real estate I could get my hands on to, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts during commutes, listening to podcasts and audibles during the uh, gym sessions, and just absolute consuming any and every piece of information that I could get in that six-month period. I uh, started off real slow, obviously, because I was still working a you know, 40 to 60 hour uh, a week day job. And it was uh, rentals. And then I started flipping, getting into a flipping homes because, well, I knew uh, that the rental side of things would just take a little bit too long for me. And mm-hmm. that I wanted to achieve at the point that I was focused on was uh, really, truly financial freedom, which to me meant that I no longer had to work for somebody else and that I could work for myself as much or as little as I wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, the original original goal was let's get $10,000 cash flow and retire and uh, move out to Thailand or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, since since uh, the last probably about 18 months, it's changed drastically to instead of doing that of building a legacy building a business and having generational multi-generational wealth um so did a lot of did a lot of flipping homes uh over the course of those next three years have been uh, full-time on the investing side for the last year and uh, have been uh, 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 new development we're at 11 uh, excuse me 12 units 12 unit uh 12 units of construction townhomes detached day to use here in the Seattle market and the apartments down in Tucson, as well as uh, expanding out into the Southeast market. Fantastic. So I know everybody's curious, um, you know, when, when people first start flipping houses, um, kind of how did you identify properties? How did you find financing? How did you find people to work on? Uh, the properties. Could you just share a little bit about those early days? Because I know that's it's so hard for people to get started, right? And some people are okay. They're like, let's just jump in, you know, guns blazing and see what happens. And you know, whatever problems we come up, we can we can overcome. And some people are like, I want to just dip my toe in the water and make sure that it's okay. So some people are a little bit more cautious. So how did those um, kind of early days uh, start out for you? And and kind of sure. how did you get your footing? 
Sure. So I'll, I'll definitely say that I'm in, in, in the first camp there in terms of uh, let's get out, let's get going. You know, the underwriting looks solid uh, and it, it can't be a bad deal. So mm-hmm. in terms of where did I find deals, it was brokers, it was MLS, it was understanding the whole uh, wholesale agent perspective, which is uh, selling selling a, a the rights to a purchase and sale agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so working with wholesalers in that fashion, and the first deal so happened to be a wholesale deal. Uh, believe it or not, I, I actually planned on and started being the general contractor on the project itself, mm-hmm. while also uh, holding uh, meetings uh, for my remote corporate job. And I went as far as. Uh, Buying Wi uh, Fi uh, for the the home that I was flipping, and actually working out of that home for mm-hmm. the course of about five months. Mm-hmm. Um, so as general contracting, I was managing the subcontractor, still holding uh, you know corporate meeting uh, phone calls on site, which you know got a little bit uh, hairy, so to speak, when uh, you know my uh, uh, team members would ask, "Why is there so much uh, so so much noise in the background?" It was, <laughs> eh, we're just renovating our home. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, slight misleading there, but you know, in the end, it it that first flip panned out incredibly well. Found subcontractors purely through referrals, uh, mm-hmm. you know, referrals from a, a network that we have up here in Seattle, where it's all about you know investors and and trying to figure out how we can each help each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, subcontractors come came out from there. So it, so did the general contractor. So it's great. Okay. So okay, so you you got what was that first property? Uh, what was it? Single family? Yeah. So we yeah we flipped about a dozen single families over the course of those two years, and uh, you know we we didn't really get into the multifamily uh, until uh, the last uh, thirteen months when we started the developments in the in the apartments. Mm-hmm. And what were you looking for? when you were identifying deals? Because um, I know that's a challenge that a lot of people have is how, how do I know it's a good deal? How do I know what areas to focus on or what neighborhoods or or things like that? Yeah, good question. So uh, from a focus standpoint, it's knowing your back, knowing what your backyard is, right? Really truly understanding the, the good, the bad neighborhoods, the neighborhoods that are experiencing tremendous appreciation, those that are relatively stagnant. And I, I would even, uh, obviously for here in Seattle, everything is, can be a block by block basis, not mm-hmm. just from a uh, you know safety and crime and, and appreciation perspective, but also from a, a topic. Believe it or not, a topographical and a soil perspective. Soil meaning it actually uh, will limit future development opportunities. So mm-hmm. uh, that you have to take that into account when you're looking at um, properties here. So uh, you know, first it's finding your 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 primary market. Then dialing it down to, uh, you know, really it was for me, it started to become zip codes. So really looking at which zip codes are the ones experiencing the most growth, the most, um, you know, where are the ones that are in the path of progress and uh, really honing in on those. I'll say in my, in my early days, I said, I'll, I'll buy, fix and flip anything in the, uh, you know, 30 to 50 miles uh, within uh, range of downtown Seattle. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking on one flip that was about 50 miles from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, come to find out, I ended up having to general contract that project for the last three months of a five-month project. And that, that meant going down there every single day, which was about a 90-minute drive each way mm-hmm. while also working the full-time job. So 
I, I would say, uh, you know, for me, for us, it's it's no longer really focusing out in uh, those areas that are hard to reach from uh, a, a local perspective. It's again just focus identify those zip codes, those neighborhoods that are experiencing the tremendous uh, appreciation from a flip perspective. Now, from a, a property, you know, kind of scope of work perspective, was there anything that you looked for there? I know a lot of people like value add opportunities, you know, turning a three bedroom into a four bedroom, yep. updating square footage, adding a garage, that kind of stuff. Was there anything specific that you kind of lean towards in terms of kind of yeah. property, the property itself? Yeah, great question. So it was the value add side of things, and for us, you know, we've got base, we've got basements here in the Northwest, and uh, what we would do there is go and look for unfinished basements and add uh, typically, you know, one to two bedrooms plus a bathroom, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, towards the end of the fl- kind of fl- I'll say flipping career, mm-hmm. right when we transitioned from flipping to developments and apartments, is we were really focused on uh, not only value adds but also those that were questionably teardowns. So uh, mm-hmm. we started doing, uh, you know, all studs at remodels, new roofs, all new siding, windows, all the trades within the studs, and even foundations, and converting those into uh, luxury high-end, uh, uh, high-end uh, homes. Mm-hmm. With also while also adding bedrooms and bathrooms. You know, there's there's a few different strategies here. Some folks are looking at the kind of the mid-range neighborhoods, you know, finding the the ugly duckling, but there's just a little bit less meat on the bone when you do that. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, versus going to the to the high-end neighborhoods, right? Because yeah, you can add add and bring it up to that luxury piece yeah. and command a premium. Um, yeah. and that's where you can really net a lot more money. Yeah. And and you know, one thing that I should mention is that should have mentioned is that you know we we never really truly operated in the uh, what I'll call the high end market. Mm-hmm. High end market I would define as you know one and a half million dollar minimum purchase price. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know the the highest end uh, single family flip that we we sold was about a one and a quarter mil, one and a quarter million. Uh, we originally underwrote it at you know one I think one million. So mm-hmm. we got we experienced some uh, some great appreciation from the timing of the market, which was great. Um, but we, we always operated in that kind of mid market uh, mid uh, mid market cycle mm-hmm. uh, of homes. So then, from a from a financing perspective, um, a lot of folks are curious how do you how do you run with that? Are you guys doing cash out refis? Are you just selling taking the proceeds? How how are you structuring that with a lender um, sure. or you know private partner here to to make that work? Sure. So uh, up until uh, last year, we've done uh, everything we did was sell. So we didn't hold down to anything. And um, mm-hmm. of course, everybody who does that always always says I should have held, I should have held them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm certainly one of those people. I would have loved to hold those homes. Some of them obviously wouldn't have penciled out from a a, a refinance standpoint, but mm-hmm. those that did would have been great by now from an equity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're using hard money, hard money loans on just about everything from the, uh, I should say, from the the construction, the the flips, and then the ground up construction as well. Is we're using hard money, so you know the goal there is to get in, get out as quickly as possible, while also doing every single thing you need to do from the scope of work perspective. Yeah, that's helpful. And, and so for folks that may not understand what hard money is, um, it's basically a, a a loan where it's it's. Uh, Easier, <clears throat> I should say. You don't have to personally qualify. You're you're doing it based on the numbers of the property, 
Um, it's a little bit higher interest rate, but yeah, the focus is it's about turning. And so for yep. those folks, they're willing to invest that because they're no, they know they're going to get their money back more quickly. And then they can just recycle that, recycle that, recycle that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on that is, you know, you'll typically get better LTV rates. So higher LTVs, you know, 85, sometimes 90% mm-hmm. is typically where we like to play between the 85 and 90% loan to value. So mm-hmm. we're typically only bringing 15 to 10 to 15 percent of the equity of the entire uh, of the entire entire project. Okay, so now you're you're doing the single families, and you realize you want to get into the multifamilies. What were some of your next steps from there? It was really understanding how to raise the capital. So how am I right on the flip side? On the flip, we're typically uh, you know about seventy five to one hundred twenty five thousand dollars of liquidity bringing in upfront as well as during the holding period and uh, really expanding into the new construction where you know we were we started raising uh, from 7 700 to about 850,000 uh, last year on the on the two projects um, and that was really a uh, a consequence or rather a result of uh, you know doing these flips and and having uh, several different investors who were wanting to invest with us but you know unfortunately uh, on a flip you can really only, there's only really only room for you know, one investor. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then that's when we started looking at, well, how do we, A, how do we scale our own business? And then B, how do we, how do we work more with more investors? And, and, uh, you know, it was the syndication, syndication, uh, uh, syndication route on both the ground up construction of new, uh, new build townhomes, as well as the apartment value adds. Raising that money. It Was it strictly just the people you've worked with in the past? You said, Hey, this is, Kind of what we're looking to do here. Are you interested? And then in you know like a seven hundred to eight hundred thousand dollar raise. Kind of how many folks are involved sure. in that? Yeah. So uh, on both of those raises, it was uh, a uh, both investors that we have worked with with before, as well as new investors. Mm-hmm. Um, in both instances, uh, both instances we had relationships with those investors, and uh, and. Yeah, and and so it was really performing for those investors. We brought on some some new, but yeah, it it so far it's turning out really great. We're selling out one of the full uh, ground up constructions right now, and so far we're looking like we're going to exceed our target returns. Awesome, that's great. So then now in in this case, you're not putting up your own money; it's strictly coming from your partners. Uh, good question. So we we ended up investing some of our own, right, from a skin in the game perspective. So okay. we we do have some invested as the general partner um, alongside of our limited partners. Where you're at right now, then let's let's talk about a few of the projects that you guys have done over the past, you know, twelve to eighteen months, mm-hmm. just to give folks an idea. So what what types of projects are you taking on? I know you'd mentioned new construction townhomes, yep. but but yeah, talk about those projects a little bit more. So on the the townhomes, typically uh, we're what we're buying there is permit ready projects where a developer or you know let's call them the seller has gone through all of the entitlement processes, has obtained permits and is ready to break ground. And for typically one of two reasons is they want to reposition their capital and maybe a bigger bigger better project, or uh, b they're looking to diversify and reduce their eliminate their risk. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the developer, the seller is looking to sell the, pro- the project, not go forward with it. And that's where we come in. We buy uh, the permitted townhome sites or soon to be permitted t- uh, apartment t- apartment sites as well. 
And, uh, you know, we've, so this would be essentially just, uh, the dirt, uh, the teardowns already been done. The zoning's cleared and now it's mm. like, okay, who's going to be the person that's going to start swinging the hammer, pouring yeah. the cement, that sort of thing. That's yeah. the spot you guys come in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we, we've got builders, we've got general contractors and other developers that we've built relationships with relationships with over the, uh, over the past, whether it's through actually directly working with them or having other investors having uh, had worked with them uh, directly too. That we're all teed up. We've we are primed and ready. You know, we've got a, a good sense of what cost of construction is going to be, which obviously is uh, changing every day. At mm-hmm. least it seems like. And um, you know, working with them and getting in, getting bids, getting it under contract, and and finishing our due diligence, obviously, um, and moving into these these projects with eyes wide open. Awesome. How how are you finding those projects? Then is it just networking? Because of you know, I think I think for a lot of folks. It, it sounds complex, maybe people that haven't been in the business, but but for me, it just seems like a natural evolution, right? The, sure. the investors you've worked with, you're building relationships, you're going those, growing those relationships into larger deals. Yep. Probably the same thing on the vendor side. You've built those relationships, you've grown those relationships, and it's kind of the next natural evolution as you grow. Is, is that right? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely say that's the case is, you know, as you perform for investors, not only do they want to invest not only again, but also higher dollars, but they typically have network of other accredited investors, accredited individuals who may want to be diversifying out of the stock market or maybe out of crypto or some other kind of alternative uh, alter- alternative investment and mm-hmm. move it into a more stable product like, like real estate. Mm-hmm. So when you're, you had mentioned about raising higher returns or, or providing higher returns than kind of what you had promised. Sure. Uh, maybe promised isn't the right word, but that's a very, uh, that's a very strong word. <laughs> I was going to say uh, uh, what you've calculated, projected. projected. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. So uh, yeah. So, so if I'm an investor now, um, you've done a good job for me. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the going from active to a little bit more passive. Right. Um, so, so from the investor's perspective, um, what's the win for them doing some of these larger projects now versus, you know, hey, let's go flip this house together? Sure. So, uh, you know, especially as we get into the build to rent model now uh, uh, is more of the is more of the focus is, you know, on the flip side, uh, on the flip kind of raises, I should say on the flip projects is, you know, we're raising 50 to $100,000 returning those every six months. Now, the challenge with some of those, especially since we're not yet operating as a fund, is uh, you know when you're investing in an individual flip is that you're, you're, you're changing hands or, or rather you're, you're investing and then we're selling and then we're investing and then we're selling. And it, inevitably, there's going to be some downtime in between uh, the sale and the purchase side. Mm-hmm. Um, again, until we get into a fund position, so uh, you know, with, with these bigger projects, whether it's a townhome or an apartment, the benefit there is is that you're you're not having to uh, your side your cash is not on the sideline at, at at any point until you know typically it's month fifteen uh, on the townhome con- on the townhome sell side or apartments it's you know up up to seven years is typically what we're looking at. So mm-hmm. it's keeping your cash in an active investment constantly, allowing your cash to grow. On a constant basis. So, so getting back to some of those other deals, yeah. What what are some of the other projects you guys are taking on? 
Sure. So one that we just finished up or are about halfway, I should actually say, is that we flipped a home. Uh, so we bought a home up in North Seattle with a large lot and we are put a detached ADU. So mother-in-law, backyard cottage, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a thousand square foot uh, detached ADU in the backyard. Um, so we flipped the home. We sold the home uh, last week and we are nearly done with a detached ADU. Now, the interesting thing here is that we converted the entire property into a, essentially a condominium, which mm-hmm. allows us to sell uh, the detached ADU separate from the, the main home, mm-hmm. which gives us this incredible LTV loan to value basis on the detached ADU. Because what we're doing is when we, when we flip and sell the main home, we're effectively getting the lot, the backyard for free. So our mm-hmm. only cost basis in that is the cost of construction, mm-hmm. which in this case is uh, about 40% of the uh, value. Mm-hmm. So our, our, our loan to value, or rather our, our really our loan to cost is going to be 30, 40% of the total value. So we'll end up getting in, getting out in about two more months with a potential mar- margin of three, Three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand on just one unit. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, where where did you or where have you seen that done before? Because I, I I think folks newer are like, how would you even know that? You know, how do you how do you know how to strategically do those things? Yeah. So uh, first thing to mention is that you know I don't I'm not familiar with any of the other you know states municipalities right. that may yep. or may not do this. I know that there's probably I think four cities in the Puget Sound, which is the Seattle area that mm-hmm. do allow this process. Yep. So that, that's kind of the first disclaimer is, uh, you know, whether or not you can actually do this where you're living. Um, that's the first thing to check. And then yep. uh, the second is, I mean, it, it really is just networking, networking with other developers and brokers. You know, those are my two, uh, uh, those are two partners in the industry that we, we love and we can't talk to them enough is really trying to understand, learn from them, and uh, whether it's from a, a process standpoint, a, a supplier, uh, a labor, you know, whatever it happens to be, it's just really truly networking with those two those two types of individuals and learning from them. So what what's what's the future look like for you guys? I mean, you're you're kind of one year in on the investing journey, but where where do you see this taking off? Yeah, so I, I think where it's taking off is two sides. It, it really is going to be in the larger multifamily space. So mm-hmm. A, in the already built apartments, those that are underperforming. So whether there's some kind of uh, operational deficiency that we can go in, uh, uh, fix, tweak, and uh, add value to the expense side and or on the revenue side where you know ideally what we're looking for is leases that started pre-pandemic, so 2019 and uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. And really understanding uh, how those rents have been increased or ideally held flat. Mm-hmm. And that way we can go in, uh, we can capture that lost lease and add value to the assets via uh, income, uh, in- uh, increasing the, in- the income. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the one bucket is the operating assets. The secondary is, again, on the apartment side of more ground up construction. So we've got several different products that we uh, the market in Seattle is putting up. It's called uh, small efficiency dwelling units. So think of a 300, 400 square foot uh, studio apartment, uh, mm-hmm. putting those up in 
high, high traffic, high density areas, like near the, near the universities, near the big hospitals, near the big tech employers. And then, and then from there, expanding our scope and getting into the even larger size, uh, ground up construction apartments. So Mm -hmm. the, the small efficiency dwelling unit apartments are generally 20 to 50 units where we'd like to be operating is in the 100, 150, and eventually the 200 unit apartment from a ground up standpoint. And what, what kind of areas are you focusing your search on? So on the ground up, it's all North Seattle. It's mm-hmm. all hyper-focused on the North Seattle market. On the apartment side of things, it is the Southeast. So Atlanta, uh, some markets in Florida, and hopefully uh, something in Minneapolis uh, here coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some other areas in the states, but it's really the the Sun Belt, I would say, Texas and East. Well, you know, it's 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 crazy to see when you look back. You know, you you've been in real estate now for just a short period of time, and you know, obviously you've you've learned a lot. You've got a lot under your belt. Um, what would you say to somebody that's outside of real estate right now and is like, you know what? Like it it seems exciting. I've always thought about getting in in some way, shape, or form, or you know, something like that, but just maybe hasn't made that leap yet. Sure. Um, what advice would you give to somebody in in those shoes? I think two two pieces. It's going to be uh, self education and finding your passion uh, within the real estate space. So self education, uh, you know, you you got to read, you got to you have to listen, um, whether it's to podcasts, audibles, or preferably other people, other experienced people that are doing this already. Mm-hmm. So that means going up to meetups, whether it's virtual or in person. Just getting out and meeting people, and don't don't be afraid of saying uh, of asking the you know the 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 simple questions, right? I, I think that's where I pride myself in doing is you know I'll go into a meeting with either subcontractors or developers, and, and I'll ask the simple questions, even though it'll it, it may make me look like the simpleton in the room, but it really truly helps me understand, which helps me grow. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the asking the simple question is going to be a, is, is a short term consequence, short term kind of shortfall. But I know the information that I get from asking that question is going to benefit me in the long term. So yeah. self education number one, passion finding your passion within the space is number two. My passion has always been growth, has always been business development, investor relations, working with clients, working with people, and so. You know that's that's my passion, and and, and mm-hmm. I've developed my you know my business around around that aspect, and I've developed myself around that aspect, and uh, it's finding the partners, whether it's an actual partner or an employee, somebody that can help fill the voids of where you know my weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome! It's it's exciting to see what you've done in in a short period of time, and and exciting to to see where you're growing. Um, that's that's fantastic. So, uh, for folks that you know have have kind of heard your story and want to reach out to you or, or learn more about what you're doing, how can they do that? Sure. So, I've got a couple of different areas. I'm on LinkedIn, Carl Krauskopf. Uh, we've got an Instagram at Aurora's Investment Group, and our website www.aurorasinvestmentgroup.com. And you're welcome to reach out to me directly via email, Carl at aurorasinvestmentgroup.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciated everything that you shared. I think there's just very tangible steps here of kind of what to do, how to grow, and to see uh, a, career, a career trajectory here 
yeah. where, um, okay, I, I, I don't know anything about real estate. And now in a short period of time, you're experienced, you've got great relationships, great partnerships that you've grown, and you can really see what, where it's taking off. So congratulations on that. I appreciate that.